with every passing minute, Brendan, I'm thinking that we are going to win. And here's the other thing I'm thinking. (laughs) I'm thinking that if we do win, I think we might win the World Cup. I love this. I love this, Rebecca, this naked display of hope. Go on. I know. God, what am I doing? I mean, let's be honest. From Apple News and Metal Arc Media, I'm Brendan Hunt. And I'm Rebecca Lowe. And this is After the Whistle. Reminder, there will probably be adult language. Although we're a lot happier today because everything's nice and calm. We've moved on from USA. England is still in it. And the quarterfinals are set. We will talk Cinderella's and Panenka's. Let's not forget about Dutch and 60. Needless to say, the tournament continues to heat up. And we are here to take you right through it. Let's go, Brendan. Let's go. Should we start the pod by popping around the grounds for the games that have happened while we've taken our very small hiatus? Yes, please. Let us pop first to that ground where uh, Croatia (laughs) defeated Japan on penalty kicks. Oh, so disappointed for Japan. I really wanted them to go through. I did. And when it went to penalties, I didn't fancy them, Brendan, either. I just think that, you know, they don't have a huge amount of experience in that at this point in a World Cup penalties. Croatia are so experienced. They're like a bunch of old boys. Just they've been here, they've done it, you know, and I didn't fancy them. And then, I mean, they were the worst penalties I've ever seen. They were terrible, weren't they? Uh, They were the worst penalties you'd ever seen at the time. Oh, that's true. Uh, We'll see if that that has changed. (laughs) But yeah, Japan finally scores in the first half and then can't hold on to it. So bit of a shame, but you know, Croatia, they go about doing their business. You know, And I just have to bring it back in, though, that my uh, one to watch, you know, my breakout star from the start of the pod, Brendan, was Japan's Kaioru Mitoma. And he almost won mm-hmm, it, didn't he? Mm-hmm, in extra time. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine how annoying I would have been if he'd taken Japan? <laughs> I mean, I'm annoying at the best of times, but if I got my breakout star to take them oh. into the quarterfinals. Oh, you would have graduated to insufferable. Correct. But Croatia, I was thinking about this after the game. I looked up their population, Brendan, 3.8 million, right? So they're a country of less than 4 million. And yet they keep doing it, don't they? They keep on producing football teams of a standard that gets them deep into these tournaments. And I just would love, you know how Holland, it's happened in Holland, it's happened in Germany. Uh, Other countries' coaches go to visit to see why are they so good? It's happened down the years at all different countries. Yeah. I think somebody needs to go to Croatia because I know they're maybe probably not going to win the World Cup, but how are they managing to produce a team from 4 million people that can do that? It's really nuts. I mean, for years, people have talked about how Holland has done such an incredible job making three finals as a country of only 16 or 17 million. And here's Croatia True. with a quarter of that. Yeah. And it's only existed for 31 years. And they made a semi in 98. They made a final in 2018. Now they're back in the quarters. They are officially a footballing power. Yes. Our second match of the day was Brazil-South Korea, for which we were hoping for a bit more pluck from our, our South Korean friends. Sadly, they were deplucked quickly as Brazil went up 4-0 by the half. Brendan. Yikes. It was incredible. It was incredible. I have two things I want to ask you about. One, can we just get our opinions on the dancing celebrations? Because I have heard a lot of people loving it and I've heard a lot of curmudgeons out there saying they were Mickey taking, as we would say in England. You know, they were making fun. They shouldn't have done that six minutes in after goal number one. You know, it was all who contrived and then getting the coach involved. No, no, no. My opinion, that's what football's about. This is the Brazil's culture. Put smiles on faces. It made me love them even more. Of course they should go and do their dances. I, I mean, obviously they do against England, might actually hate them, but watching them do it, I'm like, this is what it's about right here. Yeah. First of all, I think any team is allowed to do it, but in particular, 
Mm. You're going to stop Brazil from doing their goal celebrations at a World Cup? No. No. That is past curmudgeon. That is into Scrooge. That is into Clint Eastwood and Gran Torino territory. We don't want to hang out with those people ever under any circumstance. Richarlison. Goal number three. For me, I actually think that might be my favorite goal of the tournament so far because the way he used his head, what, three times to try and get the ball back under control and then took it away from the defender, played a one-two and finished it off. You've got to wonder why Antonio Conte isn't playing him every single game for Tottenham. Um, He is the reason why Everton is still a Premier League team. I'll be honest, he was so good for Everton. I mean, not this good, but so good. He he is one of those names coming out of this World Cup that I think has performed better than anyone thought he would. For me, that goal was just sumptuous. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> wow. Dropping the S-bomb. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> um, bit of a sidebar, but I don't know if you saw Louis van Hall's quote today, but in wonderful old man in Grand Torino fashion, Louis van Hall <laughs> said, pretty much unprompted, uh, yeah, the Brazil goal was good, but um, our goal was better. Um, I don't know why people are talking about it. We play the same as Brazil. I, I think we are better than Brazil. So, um, yeah, why? Uh, look at us. <laughs> which, I love it. Which I we'll see. Deeply adorable. So as of yesterday, then, the the six teams that had made it to the quarterfinals were the Netherlands, Argentina, France, England, Croatia, and Brazil. Not a Cinderella in sight. And then we get to today Mm. with two Cinderellas hoping to dance further yet. Morocco against Spain. Switzerland against Portugal. Let's do the second game first. Switzerland, Portugal? Okay. So the line coming out of there, of course, as soon as the team sheets dropped with it, Ronaldo has been dropped to the bench. Um, And it Obviously, at 6-1, the final score, of course, it was the right decision. But I even felt it was the right decision before because as much as I love him and I love everything that he's given our wonderful sport, that Portugal team is dynamic without him, more dynamic. He is, Yeah, stacked. Using the supermarket stacked shelf analogy. (laughs) It is. And Ronaldo is like a passenger in that supermarket, just like hanging around, just not moving. He was being carried. And I'm really glad. Did you see the poll that came out in one of the sports newspapers in Portugal that 70% of the fans didn't want him to start? So the manager really couldn't lose because he's going to upset one man or he's going to upset a lot of people. And he did the right thing, but from the scoreline. But I think most people thought it was the right thing when the team sheet came out. You know, he came on, he took that goal lovely, it was offside, but he did have a lovely finish. I, he can still play a part, no problem, but you can't sure. start games. You're done. You're done, Cristiano. <laughs> Especially as they get deeper and the and the competition will get stronger. And the competition, you would have thought perhaps it would be for the second World Cup in a row, another Iberian derby, which we had in the group stage quite memorably in the last World Cup. But no, Morocco said no. Morocco win a nil-nil draw on penalties, Spain taking even worse penalties than Japan did yesterday, I dare say. (laughs) Shockingly, shockingly bad. So Hakimi of PSG scores the winning penalty. Hakimi, born in Spain to two Moroccan parents, chose to represent Morocco instead of the country of his birth, scores the winning penalty with a Panenka. Already badass enough. I love a Panenka, but also a Panenka isn't truly a Panenka unless it's a shootout winning Panenka. So that is a proper panenka <laughs> and then on top of that oh, when he's done gosh. he does a penguin dance oh, he did amazing. a penenka penguin yeah, yeah unprecedented he did. <laughs> he did he did a penguenka <laughs> i love it how could how could somebody be so cool in you know arguably the biggest moment in his country's history he takes that penalty and he does a penenka i mean that takes balls beyond balls doesn't it yeah Absolutely. For anyone listening, Brendan, Penenka 
as a penalty is what? A penenka is a penalty that is not shot toward the sides where you're trying to avoid the goalkeeper, you know, top bins, top corner, what have you. But instead, you shoot it right down the middle and actually you just chip it. You just kind of go, bink, boo, and the ball slowly effortlessly drops like a feather into the spot where the goalkeeper once was. But the goalkeeper, who is, of course, you know, wound tight as a spring, has already jumped one direction in anticipation of a shot that would go to the sides. And the goalkeeper is forced to watch in slow motion as they are diving away from this perfectly catchable (laughs) ball that is landing in the spot where they once were. It is named the Penenka because the very first ever penalty shootout that decided a championship was in the 1976 European Championship Final, where West Germany, who were World Cup champions at that point, played Czechoslovakia, as they were called back then. And Antonin Panenka steps up to take the potentially winning shot, which would be the first trophy for his country. They had lost a World Cup Final, I think, a long time ago, but had not won a major trophy. And against the mighty Germany, he just chips it. Just chips it right there. The Mm. goalkeeper, I believe Sepp Meyer, goes jumping the other way. Czechoslovakia wins the European Championship and Panenka's name now lives in lore and rightfully so. Indeed, that's a great story. Your Again, your commitment to history, Brendan, is really quite astounding. I didn't know that entire story, but I love it. Now, the only problem with a Panenka is where it goes wrong. Oh, yeah. Now, if you've ever seen a player take a Panenka, and you can imagine, as Brendan so brilliantly explained, there ain't no pace on this ball, right? It is a loop-de-loop. <laughs> it is a little chippity-chip. And if the keeper decides to stay where he is, right, the most hilarious thing happens when the keeper, it just falls into his arms. And it, and it, and it suddenly goes from being what could be a most arrogant, ice-in-your-veins, cheeky, ballsy move to looking like a total plonker correct yeah. i'm just guessing that if you if you get on youtube and you search um uh you know horrible panenkas or some other adjective in front of panenkas mm. there is ample footage for you to run through someone had one fairly recently that i can't remember yeah in the premier league there was one i forget who it was it'll come back to me uh there was a player who took a panenka for fulham fulham were threatened with relegation and he took a panenka it took a penalty and he did a penanka and it just like landed in the keeper's hands. And you're like, mate, what? there is a time and there is a place. The problem is a penanka that goes wrong is like, it's like hindsight. It's like the, you know, it's like the Monday morning quarterback. It's we, it's so easy yeah. to say, why would you do a penanka? Because you could have, same th- you could have said the same thing with Hakimi. Because if he had done that and the keeper had stayed where he was, he would be vilified for the rest of his life doing that in a penalty. I mean, my gosh, that's why it takes such balls. I would, if I was in a penalty... When in a million years do that in a gazillion years because you're putting on another storyline to your already very yes. important storyline if it goes wrong. Adamola Lookman was the player. Sorry, Adamola Lookman just had to just just popped into my brain. It did. Adamola Lookman. Look it up. YouTube it. Not the best moment. Afterwards, his coach took him aside and said, "Hey, Adamola, look, man, you can't be doing." This. <laughs> I knew that was coming. I almost just jumped in and did it Thank for you. you. I Thank knew you very much. Felt great. Felt great. Okay. So why why were you so confident? Because with our predictions the other day, you had Morocco to beat Spain, which I hadn't heard too many times. Why were you so confident? A bit of feeling like Spain were on a downward trajectory as much as feeling like Morocco right. were probably legit. Also, I had in my head, you know, credit where it's due, I believe Grant Wall on his preview of the World Cup had Morocco in the round of 16, and he was right about that. And I'm like, all right, well, 
Well, shoot. I don't want to watch them much. I know a few of their players from their travails through, you know, European clubs. But um, but yeah, super fun to watch. Buffal oh. in particular is a guy who I kind of fell in love with today. But you remember him at Southampton. It's such a shame. I don't. Never really. Oh, you, well, you see, that's why, right? Because he went to Southampton and he would get a couple of minutes here and there. He was a bit of what we would call a fancy Dan. And most people didn't think there was much of an end product. He would show these flickers of trickery and flickers of magic but then there wasn't really end product but i'm kind of thinking now probably because the rest of the team were rubbish in comparison he is great to watch and i think who knows he could get himself another move after this world cup talking of another move talking of a move just going back to portugal for a second of course the guy who comes in for cristiano ronaldo gonzalo ramos 21 Ooh. years of age plays for benfica <laughs> four games now i think for the portuguese uh, national team but loads of goals for the under 21s and I think that Ramos and oh he plays so well it was just brilliant to see a young man step up and, and really break out in that game I think he's a classic example of a player who's going to get a big move because as great as Benfica is in the Portuguese top level of football in that top league Primera Liga I think it's called he's exactly the kind of player that the Premier League and La Liga and Liga and Bundesliga managers are looking at today right this second, I'm thinking we could do with him. To replace a legend in the lineup and get a hat trick and an assist, because why not? Mm -hmm. I mean, that is cuckoo pants. That is storybook stuff. Absolutely. That is Roy of the Rovers, to put it in terms you might understand. Correct. Roy of the Rovers. Roy Ramos, as we might now refer to him moving on. <laughs> um, can we go back a day or two? I mean, goodness only knows which day this took place on. It's like when you're on vacation when it's in a World Cup, and it's like Christmas all at the same time. You sort of lose track of what day it is and what day things happen and where you are in life. Argentina and Australia happened after we recorded the last podcast, so we really haven't touched right, on that. Right. Um, Argentina going through as we thought they probably would, but Messi, I just feel... Oh my goodness. He's just, I mean, what an honor it is. I know that some of these stars at the World Cup, Brendan, are aging and he's one of them, but 35, he's not over, over the hill, but to be able to just watch him is magic. And I just wanted to get his absolute stats. Now I know that he's played a thousand games. It's a lovely number, Brendan, to kind of look down the line and what else he's done in those 1000 games, right? So I'm just going to throw these out there just for the people listening who don't happen to know his stats. 1000 games. 789 goals, 338 assists. Silence. Well, I mean, was that a question? <laughs> <laughs> no, yes. one being one of those annoying people that just statements rather than a question. No, I just, it was a, it's a good time, isn't it? To just have a little mini reflection on that. Well, absolutely. And it's, it's pretty nuts that the, the Messi-Ronaldo rivalry that you know largely only exists for us continues in its way even on opposite sides of the bracket and the messy meter appears to be shooting off at a faster clip than the ronaldo raider which is uh, plummeting and plummeting rapidly it is the feature we teased in our first episode that we've never ever gone back to please uh, all you big fans of the show who remember <laughs> 10 episodes ago we thank you for <laughs> for bringing that back and joining us on this journey I feel like that's a slight pattern. I do think I remember promising Dutch in 60 every episode, an optimist pessimist every episode, and we've just scattered them. Scattered we've them. not been consistent. No. I'm okay with that. Yeah. 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 We don't know. No, we don't want to get into a rut. Keep people on their toes. <laughs> all right. Now we have quarterfinals that are set. Eight teams, four matches. Almost all the matches are 
absolute slugfests between giants that I cannot wait for. And then, of course, the one Cinderella remains. Now, I saw a video the other day that I think might be a part of the World Cup experience that a lot of people are going through who are just getting into the World Cup right now. That being, Glennon Doyle (laughs) was filmed by her wife, Abby Wambach, crying as she watched Japan lose on penalties. She couldn't believe the emotions of it. She couldn't believe she had to watch all these sad people. She gets mad at Abby. She's like, why did you make me do this? Et cetera, et cetera. Because we get attached to these Cinderella's coming out of the group stage. But people, here's the thing. In the World Cup, Cinderella rarely gets far in the knockout stages. I had a look through some history here, Rebecca. Will you be impressed with my research here in a second? Are you ready to be impressed? I mean, incredibly. I mean, the commitment to the cause, like, Brendan, it's, Thank you very much. It's, a, it's a thing to behold. Continue. Thank you. All right. Uh, looking just at semifinalists, semifinalists through mm-hmm. World Cup history are almost never teams that have not been a semifinalist before. We have not had a semifinalist okay. that has was not previously a semifinalist since 2002, when Turkey and South Korea both made the semifinals. Now, I should just couch this slightly. By semifinalists, I also mean a Final Four team, because there have been years where the format was as such where there was no actual semifinal, but there was a uh, a final four. They've they've experimented, they've dabbled, they've made mistakes. They're about to make one next World Cup. Let's not talk about it. Um, and then after that, like '98, Croatia made the semifinal, but you could argue that that they'd made it already before when they were part of Yugoslavia. '94, Bulgaria. '86, Belgium. Then all the way back to '74 for Holland and Poland. Then all the way back to '66 for Portugal. It's just very very rare for people to make it. Yeah particularly far. So you really have to appreciate how far people get. Also, by the way, American fans, don't be put off by this. We made a semifinal in 1930, so we're good. We're good. Um, can I just go back to the quarterfinal matchups you're talking about then? So it's Netherlands against yes, Argentina, Croatia-Brazil, England-France, and Morocco-Portugal. So out of those eight, of course, the Cinderella, The if you want an underdog, if you want to look for a team that you know is going to give you that unbridled underdog joy if they get through, it's going to be Morocco, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. Um, I mean, there are teams that are you know a bit of a favorite more than the other. You know, certainly Croatia is not going to be favored over Brazil, but they're still, as I said before, sure. a proper footballing power. Um, England not quite a favorite against France, but they're still England. So yeah, Morocco is the only like proper underdog, I'd say. What a game that's going to be, by the way, Morocco Portugal. I mean, yeah. I thought Morocco have been, as you say, so impressive, and yet Portugal just put six past Switzerland. I, I mean, they're all. It, this is when you, it's like Christmas every single time there's a game. It's just yeah. I mean, these are these are gigantic matches, and then you the the, the final four. I mean, we are now, aren't we, rubbing our hands with glee at this point <laughs> in the World Cup? Which, by the way, so far this World Cup has been brilliant in terms of the football, in terms of the surprises, in yes. terms of some of the goals and the storylines. It has been nothing short of magic, and it can only get better with those four huge quarterfinals. And so now Netherlands moving forward against Argentina in the quarterfinals. It is time to bring back the feature loved by so many, mainly Brendan, and it is called Dutch in 60. My friend, I give you one minute to update us. Give us your thoughts on the latest goings on inside the camp. Okay, all you need to know is that Holland is playing in Argentina. And yeah, Argentina has Messi. But here's the thing. Anytime Holland plays Argentina, it is usually a pretty big game. The last time they played, it was a World Cup semifinal. Pretty big, right? Now, of course, that game ended in a nil-nil draw and a penalty shootout and was actually kind of a dredge. But ignore that. The first time they played in the World Cup was in 1974 when the great... Dutch team of Johan Krauf, the original Oranja, the original Clockwork Orange that won the hearts and minds of people all around the world with their beautiful play. And they thumped Argentina four to nothing. It was a real, like, you know, announcement of intent. Then in 1978, they played in the final 
in Argentina. That was Holland's second consecutive final against the host country. And they took it all the way to extra time before going down to Argentina and Mario Kempis. They didn't play in a World Cup again until 1998. They played in a quarterfinal, and it was looking like it was going to be another extra time affair until Dennis Bergkamp in the 90-something minute scored one of the all-time goals of all time that you should see. Dennis Bergkamp, Google it, and the great Jack Van Gelder, the announcer for Holland, was heard to say, Dennis Bergkamp! And hopefully we'll get again such a day. And I'm sorry I went over by about five seconds. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Also, you're again, you're not just your history knowledge when it comes to football. I think you outdo yourself with that. But you're just the fact that you even know names of Dutch commentators is astounding to me. I mean, well, well Jack Van Gelder is a legend. Fantastic I mean, Dutch in 70. Jack Van Gelder is the is the John Matson, oh, the Howard Cosell, oh. the Rebecca Lowe of Holland and <laughs> has Steady. been for many a year. Bless your heart. Can I ask you then, <laughs> that's the rivalry which is fascinating and it's going to be such a good game. Yeah. I think you've got an excellent chance. I'm not sure you're, you know, super, super underdogs in this by any stretch of the imagination. Agree? Yeah, agree. I mean, certainly, you know, Argentina has the bigger name here and I think perhaps the story that'll be more appealing to the neutral. But, you know, Argentina, of course, started this tournament with a real bad stutter, losing to Saudi Arabia. But, like... Argentina have worked very hard to get back to this point. Like, they immediately had to go to 11 for every match afterwards. And it still feels like Netherlands, they're either just not that interesting in the Netherlands team right now compared to teams of the past, or that they just haven't even had to kick it into second gear yet. So we don't Mm -hmm. quite know if Netherlands have more to show, and we don't quite know if Argentina is still, as they've been doing, you know, from, from match to match, getting a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better. Has either team reached their ceiling what will they draw out of each other here? Can't wait. I absolutely cannot wait for Messi against Van Dijk as well. I just think that is going to be great. You heard it here. Um, <laughs> Croatia, Brazil. Does either one of us think Croatia has any real chance of winning? I mean, I, th- I think they could put up a fight, but like, oof. Brazil. <laughs> oh my lord, they look imperious right now. Yeah, I think Croatia can put up a fight. I don't necessarily think they're going to be outplayed, but then to be honest, Brazil can outplay anybody if they're on the day like they were the other day. The other day, when they scored, what was it, four goals against South Korea, four by, what, 35 minutes on the clock, 4-1 being the final score. That was that for me was kind of a moment where I could imagine children around the world of four, five, six years of age turning on the TV and witnessing that first half performance and that being the moment that they decide this game is for them. That was like a Brazil of Socrates level. That was like back in the day. I mean, having watched Brazil at every World Cup over the last 20 or so years, a bit longer, 30 or so years, I haven't seen that too many times. Brazil have this reputation. Even people who don't know that much about international football know that Brazil are good. But they haven't always, in my lifetime anyway, or in my last 30 years, haven't always shown us that. But that 35 minutes showed us what Brazil are all about. And I think that was a seminal moment in this World Cup and in World Cups generally where Brazil are concerned. And Croatia, I don't think, have the midfield or forward line to worry Brazil. Brazil's front six will just, I think, run them ragged. I mean, I think this is going to be pretty straightforward for Brazil. It's funny you say that about Brazil. I mean, I think that's really spot on about you know the way they can really capture people's imaginations when they are the Brazil that we have in our heads, you know, for people new to the Brazil yeah. phenomenon. Yes, they've won five World Cups, but like as recently as 94 to 2002, they made three straight finals, winning two of them. 
Yeah. You kind of know going into a tournament whether or not this is going to be a formidable Brazil or not. And this is one of those times. I mean, that squad came out, you know, with <laughs> something like yeah. 12 attackers and, and just one line of defenders <laughs> plus Danny Elvis. <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh, hold on. This could be the kind of Brazil that we're all into. And yeah, we have not seen this in 20 years. And we haven't even really been able to anticipate it in 20 years. You're notwithstanding a couple of big results here and there. You know, yeah. they, they were running pretty strong in that group stage in 2014 before Neymar went down, but then suffered the worst semifinal loss imaginable when Germany beat them 7-1. to So this is the Brazil that we have in our heads, but not the Brazil we've seen. And I feel like as well, over the years, there's always been sort of one player, whether it's Ronaldo, Brazilian Ronaldo, or Ronaldinho, or just one player. Obviously, Neymar is often seen as that one player that can unlock the door. But this team feels like it's a a tidal wave of players. It feels like it's spread around the team. Like I go back to what I said at the beginning, Richarlison, for me, I knew he had talent and skill and trickery at Tottenham and at Everton, but what he's doing on the world stage now is proving a real point. And it's not just him. So I, I like the fact that this Brazil team is a real team as well, not just a bunch of individual stars. All right. So then you got, um, oh, we'll save England, France. We'll save England, France. Um, Morocco, Portugal. I okay. just, oof. now again, I, I only kind of thought Morocco would win against Spain because of my doubts about Spain. I have no doubts about Portugal. So I, I think this great run from Morocco is unlikely to continue unless they can get another nil-nil situation. And again, they have the players, but oof, Portugal, again, stacked. Okay, so Portugal for me, I agree. There'll be absolutely no problem. When that squad was announced, I remember thinking, wow, this is going to be a good tournament for Portugal. But because I got sucked in like the rest of the world to the Ronaldo narrative, you kind of forgot about the rest of the team. And again, every game they play is about Ronaldo, including today's. And I feel like today was a turning point because he wasn't in the team and they won 6-1. And so I have absolutely no doubts that Portugal are going to go through. No doubts at all. And now England, France... Where are you at? Okay. Take a breath. Take your time. Brendan, I'm in a good place. Okay. I'm not going to lie. Good, good, good. Love to hear it. I, I worry about our nation's mentality, right? And our team's mentality that maybe, maybe actually, you know what? Maybe not the team, but the, the mentality of the nation is that we are always caught between, oh, we're really, really good, but we get to a stage where, but we come up against bigger teams, better teams, bigger countries, you know, higher up the rankings who've had more success than us like France. And we fear them. And I'm just not sure we need to fear France. The more I think about it, you know, Kyle Walker, well, the whole back line, obviously are going to have to deal with Mbappe, but Kyle Walker, probably the most, if he plays a four. Now I think he'll probably play a five, with Kyle Walker as the right-sided centre-back alongside Trippier. Trippier's got pace. Walker's got pace. I mean, Trippier's not had a brilliant tournament. It's not going to be easy, but I think that we can deal just about with Mbappe. And I'm, with every passing minute, Brendan, I'm thinking that we are going to win. And here's the other thing I'm thinking. (laughs) I'm thinking that if we do win, I think we might win the World Cup. Ooh. I, I love this. I love but let me just say this one thing. Let me just of hope. Okay. Go on. I know. God, what am I doing? I mean, let's be honest. Um, but there are two ways, right, to approach this game of football against France. And I'll probably bring this up again closer to the game towards the end of the week. But there is that go out and try and win it, first of all, and then lock it up. Okay. So play an attacking lineup, attack the game, 
start quickly would be nice for the first time this tournament and then lock the game up or try and stay in the game, play a little bit more conservative, a little bit more Gareth Southgate and then bring on the game changers. Now, if you look at what Brazil did, if you look at what Portugal did, but especially what Brazil did, they go out and they win the game and then they just rest up in the second half. I would love England to do that. I would love England to take it to France in the first half, quick football and play all that attacking flair that we have and really shock them because nobody is going to think England are going to come out the traps fast. France, I don't think are going to be particularly scared of England, but that's because they haven't seen the England that I'm talking about, the England with all of these attacking players. So if we can do that, great. He's not going to do that. So (laughs) I'm not sure why I've even mentioned it. He is going to play more conservative. And then if we need a goal, if we're 1-0 down with 20 minutes to go, he's going to throw on Grealish and he's going to throw on Foden and, and or if he's not starting, Foden, Osaka, and, he, and if Sterling is back, he'll throw on him. Something like that to try and then win the game or try and get a draw and take it to extra time. So, I mean, the more I think about Gareth Southgate over the last few days, you know, he his record is astounding. His leadership is world-class. I love the bloke and I wish him nothing but the best. There is nothing that I would be happier about than for him to be the World Cup winning manager for the first time since Sir Alf Ramsey in 1966. And he does plot his way through a tournament well, conservatively, but well. But the problem has remained in the last two tournaments that when push really comes to shove and we get to that final moment, that final decision, that final substitution, that choice, that's where he gets it wrong. So let's hope that those two tournaments, he's learned his lesson, Brendan, and he's learned and he's he's soaked it all in and he will make the right choice at the right time because he's making right choices so much at the moment. It's just that very final, crucial, pivotal choice has to be right. But to answer your question, following on from a five-minute side note, I am <laughs> as confident <laughs> as I've been, although let me just caveat that, it's only Tuesday. I mean, bravo. And I say bravo to your heart. And the fact that you've shared it with the world in this way. Um, I have only one minor quibble, which is to the notion of England like getting a hot start early in the 2018 semifinal and the 2020 final. They had a goal in the first four minutes in both of those, and it didn't work out either time. Um, so we'll see about that. But they, in, in neither game did they press the issue, though. Well, exactly. And that's the point. You're spot yeah. on. Great start. Brilliant. Trippier free kick and then um, in 2018 and then the Luke Shaw goal in, in 2021. Great. But then what do we do? We set off. Now, if you're Pep Guardiola, best manager in the world, or even if you're a Brazil manager right now, you you don't go one nil up and then sit, sit off. You, you you go one nil up and then you go two nil up and you try and finish the game. You, you, you know, Pep doesn't let the opposition have the ball and then sit off if, at one nil. He never does that. And why is he the best manager in the world? Because he goes and finishes teams off. So if we were to go up, you know, score too early and go up 1-0 after five minutes, I'm actually going to be terrified that then it's going to be 11 men behind the ball and we're going to try and hold on until the 90th minute. And that is actually there, what I was talking about in terms of Southgate's decision-making. Were we lucky enough to go 1-0 up, please don't sit back. Let's go and try and finish that game. Let's not have history repeat itself because a sign of a really good manager, of course, is learning from your mistakes. Sign of a good anything. Learn from your mistakes. So please, Gareth, just bear that in mind. If we go uh, one nil up, by the way, after five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> the problem with all of this talk, though, and all of this hope is it goes against Kylian Mbappe. And Kylian Mbappe cares not for your hope. He cares not for, for your tactics. He is a one-man wrecking crew. And he's coming. I know. I know. I know, Brendan. I know. I know. I have nothing else to say, but I know. (laughs) 
Okay. So um, just to wrap things very quickly up, because people pop in and out of the pod. Uh, for those who haven't heard predictions, we are, you know, Brendan and I are allowed, very much allowed to change our minds as the tournament unfolds, because, you know, that's normal, natural, and totally understandable. And a woman especially is allowed to change her mind. Uh, but these four quarterfinals, we're going to just quickly run through. We'll get our quick one word answers, and then we'll talk, what do we think semi-final? What do we think final and winners, right? Just bear in mind, I had Brazil to win it. He had Argentina to win it. But let's just talk quarterfinals quickly. So Netherlands, Argentina, you're going for? Argentina. Me too. Croatia, Brazil, you go for? Brazil. Me too. England, France, you're going for? France, and I'm sorry. Mean. Really mean? I'm going for England. Morocco, Portugal, you're going for? Portugal. Me too. Okay, that means it'll be Argentina, Brazil in one half of the draw. In that semi-final, you're going for who? Argentina or Brazil? Got to stick with my original choice of Argentina, but that'll be... That'll be a game that we will never forget. Okay, I know. I can't wait for that. Um, I'm going to go for Brazil in that. So right now you have Argentina going to the final. I have Brazil going to the final. Other half of the draw, England. Uh, okay, so you've gone with France. So you think it'll be France, Portugal. Who will win France, Portugal? France. Okay, I'm going for England against Portugal. England will win against Portugal. You can see love where it. this is going. Love it. Just let it let And it then out. we get to the final. <laughs> and you're going the final will be Argentina against France and you're going with Argentina are you still going with Argentina to win the whole I'm, thing I'm sticking to my guns Argentina finds a way okay so you've gone right from the beginning and you've kept the same which is absolutely admirable I on the other hand change like the wind and I am going for a Brazil England final I did have Brazil circa four weeks ago and I'm now changing it Brendan and it's happening and that naked hope reappears and shows itself once more. And I'm going, what on earth am I doing? But I'm doing it. I'm going it. for England to win the World Say Cup. It. I am just doing what everyone has done down the years and it I'm ends snapping. in tears. But I'm, I'm doing it, praise. England to win the World Cup. <laughs> oh, it's coming home. Oh, it's coming home. It oh, be. come on, England. Three lions. All right. So I've now got two days off to change my mind on that. And I'll see you back on Friday where I'll tell you that Brazil, in fact, will win the World Cup. Um, and we've got loads coming up towards the end of the week as we build up to those quarterfinals. Am I correct with that, Brendan? That is correct. That is very correct. Uh, enjoy your two days off, people. We will be back. If you're loving the show, subscribe on Apple Podcasts and be sure to rate and review as it really helps other people find the show. And for round-the-clock World Cup news, plus scores and standings, follow along on the Apple News app in My Sports, where available. We'll be back with more World Cup coverage right here in your podcast feed Friday. See you then, Rebecca. See you then, mate.